ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? Do you think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. What's up, everybody? We got another episode of Wheeling and Dealing. And Dealing. As always, you got me, Harrison Gottlieb, and Dan the Man. Woot woot. So, first, I'm going to start off with a little recap. Yesterday, we went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And we went seven and four with a push yesterday as well with the mm-hmm. Jazz game. And we also had a big hit on the Vegas versus Avalanche going to overtime. Love to see that. The White Sox win as always. Uh, let's get into it. Let's. A lot of day baseball today. A lot of good games. Let's start specifically. Where are we going? We're going to start the night games. Dodgers play the Pirates at 7 o'clock. Let's get get down to business. That's probably the um, one of the best teams in baseball versus the worst. Would you argue they're the worst team in baseball right now? Oh, yeah. Pirates are definitely horrible. They didn't play well yesterday. We slander those Pirates every every episode. We just mentioned that they are. You know what? The Pirates deserve it, though. It's not yeah, like they're good. They're probably yeah. not. They did, they did almost sweep the Marlins, which was really embarrassing for all the Marlins. But, um, yeah, the Dodgers got Tony Gonsolin. He's coming back. He's uh, making his season debut after missing the first two months of the season with shoulder injury. So I would say it's a little nervous, but he's been doing well in this rehab stint, striking out nine over the last uh, – 10, 10 innings. Yep, Ethan's bringing it up again. We lost three out of four to the worst team in baseball. But the Dodgers are not the Marlins. No. And I, I'd like Tony Gonsolin to get back into rhythm and the Dodgers to win. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to argue against that logic. Even if I just look at the two teams not knowing who the pitchers are or where that game is, I'm going to take the Dodgers 99 times out of 100. Um I don't know if you saw the video, I think it was yesterday, of one of the guys on the Pirates hit a home run and he forgot to touch first base. Yes. He ran around all the bases, got home, celebrated with his team, got to the dugout, and then it got called back. He had to come back to the the batter's box because he forgot to step on on first. So sometimes when things are going bad, man, it's just – it seems to roll downhill. So, I I mean, I hate seeing sports teams that are just, like, always in the basement, but – that's your yeah, especially, especially with the Dodgers at only minus 174, you got to take them versus stinky, stinky Pirates. Yeah, I uh, I guess because they're on the road, that's why that, that line is like that. Had you told me Dodgers-Pirates, I probably would have thought minus like 250, maybe minus 300. If yeah. they were, it would be like that for sure. But, yeah, I like that pick. All right. You want to go on to the next one? Sure. I think we're going to go to the great city of Cincinnati where the Reds are playing the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers have been very hot and cold, as have the Reds this year. They're, they're both kind of inconsistent teams. Um, I know the Brewers are trying to get back to the kind of dominance they had a few seasons ago when Yelich was was hitting the ball really well. Um, I know they've gotten rid of a couple pieces from that team. I know uh, Jesus Aguilar used to be on the Brewers, and now he's on the Marlins. Um, but I like the Reds against the Brewers. I know they lost last night. It was, it was a low-scoring game. I think they lost like 2-1 or 3-1. Um, I think the Reds get this one back. They're playing at home, which is always an advantage and within the division. So give me the Reds. I think they're pick them or my, yeah, they're minus 110. 
So the price is really good on a home team that's definitely been playing better than Milwaukee has this year. So I like the Reds. Yeah, that game's for all the Skyline Chili. Sorry, I wasn't listening. I got some uh, breaking news. I didn't do Nate Bjorgren, the coach of the Pacers, has just been fired. Um, it's going to be very interesting. That's a, a very good team. You got Doug McDermott, Devonta Sabonis, Chris LeVert, Miles Tenner, Malcolm Brogdon all on that team. It's another another team looking for a coach. I think I feel, so, um, I feel like every offseason, just really quickly, there's always a, a coaching carousel, and I hope that some younger guys or some guys that aren't as well-known in the league, and, and this is with all sports, not just basketball, but I feel like sometimes they get caught in that like rotation of the same 10 or 15 coaches that, that they chew up and then spit back out just to get another job and another job. Um, I know some guys have gone on to, to do better, like Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks has definitely improved that team. Um, but, you know, you hope that some college guys get, get looks and, and opportunities for those jobs. Yeah, it's a shame. He only had one season with the team, so he didn't really get to leave an impact on him like he might have. But um, it'll be interesting. I've seen, like like you said, the coaching carousel of um, just the same coaches all the time. Everybody's been talking about Jason Kidd as a coach, so it'd be interesting to see like if he doesn't go to Portland because I don't think he'll really end up in Portland, even though Dame wants him to. Um, it'll be interesting to see like maybe if a guy like Jason Kidd gets signed to be their coach. Yeah. And you, you do see the trend. I know we're kind of on a tangent, a little basketball, but you do yeah. see the trend where like even former players who, who are just recently retired from the game, like a Steve Nash. Um, I know Tyron Lue has been coaching for a while, but I still consider him kind of a younger coach. Um, just those kind of guys that, that really understand the locker room and, and understand the, the team dynamic of being a professional athlete, I think definitely lends themselves to some success in the coaching realm. Yeah. Especially it'd be really cool if, um, they could hire Becky Becky Hammond, the old um, Spurs assistant under Greg Popovich. She would be the first woman head coach. And I think it'd be very interesting with her on that young Pacers team with like a lot of raw talent. If she could get them to maybe get like a Popovich style of play, the Pacers would be a dangerous team. Yeah. They almost made the playoffs. They kind of got bounced from the play-in game. It would be cool to see Becky Hammond take over the ro- the reign in Indiana. I agree. I think it's only a matter of time before she gets, um, you know, an, another high ranking job or even a head coaching job in the NBA. Um, and it's just proof that you know anyone can do it. It doesn't really matter, uh, boys or girls, especially if you have the experience and you show that you know what you're talking about. I think that's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, you never know. Yeah. All right, we might as well stay on basketball and return to baseball <laughs> a little later. Yeah, there's only one. Uh, there's only one basketball game tonight, so let's just stick with it. Yeah, we might as well just run it all out. The Suns are playing tonight. They are minus five versus the Nuggets. I think that um, the Suns are going to cover and win. Mm. They have been really good at the home this year, covering the spread specifically. Um, Devin Booker is just so good, and honestly, the way that the Suns team is organized, it is. Um, Straight up, the Suns, you got Devin Booker who could put up 40 and, like, ball for the first three quarters. And then you got Chris Ball who comes in here and just makes all the closing game shots. And between Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and Mikel Bridges, they're really doing a great job on defense, especially in the paint, holding on um, – holding Jokic to <laughs> – Holden Jokic to not too much. He was just named the MVP. I think Suns minus five, and they'll get they'll go into Denver, beat them there, maybe even get a gentleman sweep when they come back home. Interesting. We're that high on the uh, on the Suns. Yeah, I think it was impressive what they did to the Lakers um, and the way they kind of finished that series out. And just watching that first game, it, it seems like they're just kind of continuing with that momentum. Um, so yeah, I mean, playing at home is, especially in the playoffs, now that we have fans back in the arenas, it definitely presents, um, that home court advantage. I think they for sure want to go back to Denver with the 2-0 lead, knowing that, you know, they could drop a game or two and it, it won't really affect the series that much. Um, but you're right. They're, they're, they're a crazy team the way they're built. And I think, like you mentioned, having Chris Paul as that veteran presence really elevated them to the next level because they were a pretty young team and they're still a pretty young team. But I think having that guy that that's 
Now, when I say playoff success and experience, I mean, Chris Paul hasn't been past, what, the second round? I don't think he's ever been to the conference finals. So obviously he's been in the playoffs a lot, but, you know, he collectively with that group definitely wants to uh, reach the reach the glory of the NBA championship. Yeah, and Torrey Craig on the um, Suns, who's very good on defense, he used to play for the Nuggets. So we normally get revenge games, which are good. But have you, I love seeing a revenge series. Yes, revenge series. Yeah, so that's another thing going in the Suns' favor. And then, um, so tomorrow we got the Nets versus the Bucks. The Nets are plus three. And I got to bring up, because uh, Kevin Durant, the story just leaked. Before it was an unknown Nets player. But it was very easy to find out that it was Kevin Durant who just went on a date with Lana Rhodes, and uh, earlier in the season. And not only was did he t- did he go with her, but he had a backup date with her. And uh, she, Lana Rhodes, the porn star, was not too pleased about this. She she thought like, "Wow, not enough," and just was very weirded out by the whole situation. And uh, the funniest part to me was when they were they had to have been pillow talking just based on the quotes. It was like they, she was like, "So, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? What's your favorite this?" And Durant would just answer like, "You know what? I don't really have any favorites of anything. <laughs> I just, I just like things." And it was just so bland. It had to be Kevin Durant. It was like it made the media's job so easy. He always seems so angry about something when he's when he's talking to. Them. I don't. I just think he doesn't like the whole process of answering questions with the media and going back and forth. And I, I feel him because I feel like for, for professional athletes, it gets kind of repetitive. They ask the same questions and you give the same kind of cliche answers, but he always feels like he has a chip on his shoulder against the media and it, and it, it's very noticeable. So the fact that you kind of decipher that blandness, it makes sense. I mean, it could be him or, or Kyrie because Kyrie's kind of the same way with the media. Yeah. And Harden too, because Harden loves strip clubs. His strip club bills was paid for <laughs> by the Houston Rockets. I feel like sometimes that's the only way it could be. But um, like, Durant, Durant was- actually this postseason, he's been, um, he's shoot, he's playing 50, 50, 90. Like he's shooting 50% three field goal or 55% field goal percentage, 50% three point percentage, which is the best in his career in the playoffs. He's got 32 points per game in the, postseason so far he's really on a storm and for someone who missed all of last season due to the torn achilles mm-hmm. you gotta give kevin durant his props yeah he's no. the best star that nobody talks about i agree he's he's insane he could take over a game just watching him do kind of that uh the euro step move against Giannis was was gross because it i mean Giannis is one of the he probably has the one of the longest wingspans in the nba and to just kind of dance around him and then just roll it off your fingers into the into the hoop um, is crazy. But I was going to say James Harden likes the strip clubs because he likes the uh, the breakfast buffets there. Yeah. Last thing on basketball before we move on is um, just got to say Kawhi has won a series in the Staples Center before LeBron did. And that's that. <laughs> that's all you. That's all you had to say about that. Yeah, let's get back to baseball now. All righty. All right, so the Yankees, the Yankees are playing the Twins. The Twins are horrible. The Yankees got a nice little win yesterday. But today is going to be great because the Yankees are finally going to get back-to-back wins for the first time in a while. They got Garrett Cole on the mound playing uh, Randy Dobnak. And Randy Dobnak, I couldn't tell you the last time the Twins got a win with Randy Dobnak. I think this streak might be up to seven now that he has just failed to get a win for them. Whether it be a no decision on his part and the team loses or it's his fault and they lose. Um, yeah, I just – the Garrett Cole, he's coming off some tough games. They're, they're starting to talk about, like, the sticky substance and really get on Cole. I like to think that this is going to be, like, a statement game for Garrett Cole where he proves the doubt is wrong because everybody's saying he's not as good as he really is. He's just got some unknown foreign substance. I like I like Garrett Cole today versus the Twins. Yeah, it's funny. You kind of read my mind. I was going to talk about that a little bit, how they kind of asked him, have you ever used banned substances before? Have you ever used the sticky, the, like the tar that they use on their fingers that sometimes they like take off their glove really quickly when no one's looking? Um if you ever want to see a video of someone who got caught red-handed, watch the video of him getting asked that question because he spends a minute 30 
He could he could have basically just said no. Mm-hmm. But instead, it takes a minute and 30 seconds, and he's like, well, you know, it depends. And there was older players who taught younger players how to do things and yada, yada, yada. And it's very – he's basically taking a minute and a half to say, I have, without actually saying I have. So it'll be interesting, and I agree with you. I think tonight he's going to go out and try to prove everyone wrong. Be like, no, this is me, the pitcher. I'm just great and elite. Um, so off of that, I do like the Yankees pick, but I like the under even more. Um, the under set at eight and a half, which is surprising, given that Garrett Cole's pitching. I expected it to probably be around seven, um, maybe seven and a half. So you're getting a, a, an extra run. Plus, the I don't feel like the Twins are like an offensive. I feel like they're very um, like you hit home runs or you don't score runs. Like kind of similar how the Yankees are, where they either hit dingers or they strike out. So I think with an elite pitcher on the mound versus a team that's kind of in a slump or has been slumping most of the season, I like the under a lot. Yes, and um, especially I think this might be the first time since the 2019 ALDS when Dobnak started against the Yankees for the Twins that they're playing each other. So I like a little bit of a revenge for them too, a little revenge factor, because why not? I agree. I remember that game. The Twins went up 3 nothing in the top of the first, and then the Yankees tied it 3-3. Yeah. Fun fact, I just I somehow remember, somehow remember that. Yeah, and as long as Nelson Cruz just doesn't come out of nowhere and get, like, three home runs, I think we should be safe with that one. Yeah. All right. Next baseball game, our favorite, our favorite, Lance Lynn and the White Sox. (laughs) So the White Sox have been kind of streaky lately. Over their last 10, they still have – they are still have – they're 8-2 because they won yesterday, and – um. Lance Lynn has been phenomenal. He has yet to lose this year in six starts. He's 6-0 with a 1-3-8 ERA. Um, opponents are average, batting average is only a .15. He's had 36 strikeouts in the last 39 innings. But I will say it is a little – I am a little nervous about him because um, he's got a rough pass in Toronto. But good thing is they're going up against uh, – very young pitcher for the Blue Jays. I expect the White Sox will still be able to hit him. They have been very good at hitting. They started off slow yesterday against the lefty, but still were able to manage to get eight runs. So I'm sticking with the White Sox throwing through. Lance yeah. gets it done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know they're playing in Chicago, which which helps the White Sox's cause. Um, is there any word of Toronto's going to play – in Toronto at all this year? Yeah, they're not. So this is a home game in Chicago anyways. But mm-hmm. um, but so they started the first half in Tampa mm-hmm. at the TD Bank Park, and now they're back in Buffalo where they were last year. Okay. And so they were doing like a half-and-half half season, kind of like what um, the Rays proposed to do before COVID. They wanted to do like half the season in Tampa, half of it in Canada. So it's going to be very similar to that. They're doing something very similar to that. True. Because I know in the NHL, they just um, the Canadian government just allowed the teams to, to cross across the border once it gets to the final four, which obviously is huge because you want – I mean, you want the teams playing in their own arenas instead of in just like neutral sites, in my opinion, just so the fans can go and kind of experience it as well. Yeah, that, I feel like that was inevitable. It would have been ridiculous for them to like – have the Montreal Canadiens just not travel. They'll be the Arizona Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, at all. All right. All right. So now staying close to the Tampa area, technically because the Blue Jays played there, we're going to move on to the Tampa Bay Rays who are playing tonight at seven o'clock. They've got Shane McCallahan going up against Patrick Corbin and the Nationals. Mm. And personally, I like the Rays here. There is not much that has been bad about Shane McCallahan. He, um, besides a road loss to the Yankees, he's been very good. This righty has had 38 strikeouts and nine walks in 30 inning, 31 innings just about. He's got a couple wins to his name. He's been keeping his ERA low. And Patrick Corbin's making his first start against the Rays ever. So he's never really seen him. I I like the way the Rays to keep up their hot streak. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. I'm backing them all the way. I like that. I 
I think I'll say it again. I think I said it last episode that the NL East, you disagree, but I think that they're one of the more mediocre divisions in all of baseball. I fall on the sword after the last week of baseball, since our last episode where we disagreed on the NL East, they're obviously the worst in baseball with only the Mets posing an above 500 record. I, I, you concede? I, I concede. I concede. You were right on that. And listen, it's not that the teams in the division are bad. Like you don't have like a Pirates or you're losing. They're just all mediocre. They're all 500. And it's so – there's not one team who wants to grab the reins and be like, I am the NL East king. Like the Mets are trying, but it's the it's the Mets. Like, you, And yeah, the Braves I, could so easily. The Braves could. Even the – I mean the Phillies are a good team. The Nationals are still a good team. Like they have good pitching still. But the Marlins are finally at the bottom of the division. They no longer have a positive run differential. It's just a toilet bowl of a division. Thanks. And one of those teams will will make the playoffs and and probably well they'll probably play in the wild card. Maybe make the series can be um competitive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got one you got another one you like? Um yeah, I got one more. I know you don't you don't like it that uh, this, much. All right, so if this is our last baseball pick, we're actually on opposite ends of this one. Hmm. So you like the Astros. I like the Red Sox here. Um, it's very interesting you like the Astros because uh, when, when I was looking this up, Odorosi has um, made only two starts coming off his IL. He's been very hit or miss. He had one that was atrocious. He let up um, three runs in three innings against Boston, which was his most recent one on Thursday. And they're playing Boston. But um, the one before that, which was his um, debut this year from the from his return from the IL, was against the Padres, and he only let up one run in a very quality start. Quality. Um, but he is 0-3 this year with a 7-1-6 ERA and 17 strikeouts going against Eovaldi, who's 7-2 with, with almost a 4 ERA and 65 strikeouts. I think over the last two games – um, Eovaldi has the same amount of strikeouts as Odorosi does in the whole season. Um, <laughs> the Red Sox have been very inconsistent as well. They're good. But um, what would you like to say about this game? Um, <laughs> you kind of just uh, shit all over my pick. But understandable. I mean, pitching does have a lot to do with, with the matchup. Um, this is more uh, Dan's gut pick special. I like the price. I think the Astros at plus 125. Obviously, they're on the road, but they won yesterday. They're, I personally believe they're the better team. Um, I know the Red Sox have been overperforming this year. They just swept the Yankees, which is impressive to do that in the Bronx. Um, I just think the Astros' offense is what carries this team, and, and pitching obviously is, like you said, important, um, but they still have some sluggers in their lineup up and down, and I just feel like they get guys on base and they bring them home better than anyone in the in the major leagues. So, yeah, I like the Astros to win today. Um, like I said, plus one twenty five on the road, get a nice little price, get a nice little profit. Um, and you know, that's just my personal opinion. You could take it. You can follow Harrison. I think he's taking the Red Sox based on his statistics. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. It'll be a nice little. Uh, we'll. Uh, I'll keep my eye on that game. Yeah, it'll be fun. That game's on at 7 o'clock tonight also. Um, you probably just have to stream it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> it's time for the coin flip game of the day, of the week. So we're doing the Mariners versus the Tigers. We got KBO extraordinaire Chris Flexen going up against the young buck Casey Mize, who's been super hot. All right. You want to pick which team is heads and which team is tails? Yeah, let's do Tigers heads, Mariners tails. All right, let me get a drum roll, please. Tails. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Mariners. Mariners. All right, so we got the Mariners on the coin flip game of the day of the week. So far, the record on the coin is two and four. <laughs> Don't blame us. Blame the coin. Oh, yeah. It's all the coin's fault. And right now, the lines on this game is uh, Mariners plus 115, Tigers minus 135. The Tigers won yesterday. Good game to keep an eye on. Should be two very equal teams. 
All right. So from All there, right. we're going to move on to wheeling and dealings, second on soccer. So <laughs> the UEFA Cup's coming up, the Euro Cup. And for that, we each picked a team and we each picked our top goal scorer who we think is going to score the most goals in the whole tournament. Um, would you like to lead us off, Dan? Sure, on my second on soccer. Uh, I picked the team, you know, complete honesty that I love playing in FIFA with the most. That's, how, that's what I based this decision on. Um, I like Belgium or the Netherlands or the Dutch. It's all the same place. Uh, no, it's not. No, they're not. Belgium and the Netherlands are too uh, I'm thinking the Netherlands is the same thing as Holland, and the people from the Netherlands are Dutch. Anyway, Belgium. I like their colors. I think that they're a big. <laughs> I think that they're. A, <laughs> I think that they're a big team. Um, and my top goal scorer is also from Belgium. It would be Romelu Lukaku. Ooh, that guy right. has that guy has rocket foot. And uh, yeah, I got no other explanation other than those, <laughs> those reasons for Belgium. Yeah, I'm riding with Spain. Mm. I I like the Spaniards, and um. I'm getting, wonder, I'm getting flanked. They're always just a team who is in the mix, regardless of who's there. Spain and Italy, I feel like they're up there with France of the world. They're up there with um, the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, yeah, but I'm riding with Spain at plus 700. They're a really good team. They got uh, just a bunch of quality get players. And I think they're they're in a very easy they're a very easily winnable group, so that'll be easy for them to advance. And I like Spain. My leading goal scorer is going to be Ronaldo. Mm. He's a plus ten fifty. And really? yeah, for the top yeah. goal scorer, I like I like Ronaldo. I feel like um, if Portugal's going to make a, some noise, it's going to be because Ronaldo's getting them there. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is I feel top goal scorer is the whole tournament, right? So you mm -hmm. expect the guy to win that award would be on the team that makes it, you know, pretty far. So that's probably why his odds um, are that high because you wouldn't think Ronaldo would would be ten to one to have the most goals, but that makes yeah, sense. And of course, and of course, then there's also the favorites who are France and England. But um, what's I love the upsets. I yeah. like the upsets. Go upsets. You know. It's no fun picking who you think's gonna win, who everybody thinks gonna win. You know? It's I agree. So, Spain. Someone just uh replied to us on Twitter and said that Spain's team has COVID right now, so they're using their under 23s for practice. Oh, well then never mind. <laughs> never mind. Hey, yeah, I mean, you never know. Young guys, lots of energy, some youth. I might put a pin in that Spain pick. <laughs> Definitely Ronaldo on the top goal scorers, though. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I just got my team confused with another country. It's okay. That's why we're only spending, <laughs> only spending a second on soccer. Yeah, that's why that – and that is what we call wheeling and dealings second on soccer. <laughs> All um, right. Let's get to something we know a little bit more about. Well, actually, let's introduce a new segment we like yeah. to call – the bum of the bee. Bums. Yes, yeah, we will take. We will take, take someone who we think is a has been a bum this week, and talk to you about it. Why? You want to give us our your first bum? Yes, my bum is plural. I have the bums of the week. My bums of the week would be the Winnipeg Jets, the entire team, because the Winnipeg Jets came into this playoffs. Um, they were the third, the three seed in the out of four in the northern division. Um, you know, Winnipeg's been in the playoffs a few years, uh, made some noise. They made the Western Conference final um, three seasons ago, and they came in, blew everyone's mind by sweeping the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, with the two, arguably the two best players in the NHL on that team, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Winnipeg came in, swept them, made them look like a pee wee midget team. Uh, and then they were going to play Montreal, a team that, you know, upset Toronto, didn't have a lot of expectations for them either. People all jumped on the Winnipeg bandwagon and said, all right, let's ride this team. They're the best team in Canada. And then they got swept by Montreal. So they're my bums of the week because 
they didn't lose a game to Edmonton, but they couldn't win one game against Montreal. And I'll talk about it more when we, I'm guessing this is our little transition into hockey, but the Montreal Canadiens haven't trailed in a game since game four against Toronto, meaning they went game four, game five, game six, game seven, and then four straight games against Winnipeg without ever trailing. They were never losing the whole time. So not only did Winnipeg not win a game against Montreal, they never had the lead in an entire playoff series. Those are my bums of the week. <laughs> hey, it's hard when Montreal scores all them boots. Yeah, I know. Well, it's and the thing is that Montreal's not beating them six nothing either. It's not an impossible task to gain a lead. I mean, they're winning. They won a game one nothing in this series. So, yeah, bums. All right, my so I like that bum. So my bum is actually a. Trent Balky, he's the GM of the Jaguars. <laughs> Trent Balky really fumbled this whole week because he's got two great quarterbacks. He did a great job. Like, I'm not going to say he shouldn't have drafted Trevor Lawrence and, like, maybe trade the pick because he got your quarterback and Gardner Minshew, but you should have traded Gardner Minshew this past week to Atlanta for Julio Jones and, a, and like, you could have given them a pick. And Gardner Minshew, and I swear to God, that Falcons team would be phenomenal with Gardner Minshew. Give the guy a chance. Gardner Minshew's too good to be a backup for Trevor Lawrence. He's balling in practice right now. LaVisca Chenault loves him. I cannot believe that Bulky couldn't have, like, made a better situation because he would have gotten Julio Jones on the Jaguars and, like, I'm just blown away. It's like he didn't even try. You could yeah. have I was gonna, Trevor Lawrence, Julio Jones. Two things. I was going to say, one, it's a shame if Gardner Minshew sits on the bench all year um, behind Trevor Lawrence. And I think that guy's still a young, up-and-coming quarterback who, like you said, deserves a shot um, at some playing time. And I forgot what the second thing I was going to say was. But that's the first thing I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Julio Jones. How – I think every single NFL fan base besides the Tennessee Titans looked at that trade and said, why didn't our team do that? Yeah, it's really funny because um, a couple years ago, the Patriots traded with the Falcons for a second-round pick. They traded a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. Mm -hmm. And Julio Jones got sent to the Titans for only a second and I think third also, like a compensational pick. Yeah, it was was nothing. And – I mean, so I think, I think the Jaguars had given like a third in Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Julio? exactly. Like, Even getting a positional pick. Cause I don't know who's sitting behind Matt Ryan right now. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I want to say Matt Schaub, oh, but I think, I'm, I, don't think <laughs> I don't think it is. 55 year old Matt Schaub. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Really, they don't really have much quarterback depth. I mean, they could have taken the heir apparent to Matt Ryan in this draft, but they took Kyle Pitts instead, which I agree with that move. I think Kyle Pitts is a generational game changer, but I agree with what they ended up giving up to Tennessee. And you never know. Maybe Atlanta had better offers, and they just kind of wanted to decide where to send Julio. I know they probably their priority was to send him out of the NFC so they wouldn't have to play him until the Super Bowl um, if both teams – miraculously made it there. Titans-Falcons, that'd be an interesting Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I was shocked by – I mean, I know Julio's on the other side of 30, but he's still Julio Jones. Exactly. All right, so I found out the backup quarterback is A.J. McCarron and Felipe Franks. Oh, Felipe – you're right. They did draft Felipe Franks. Yeah, so those are the backups. Gardner Minshew's much better than A.J. McCarron and Felipe. I agree. A.J. McCarron – It's like, come on, the guy's too good. I agree. So those are this week's bums of the week. All right. I guess we can uh, hit the frozen pond um, really quick. So tonight there's only one hockey game. It's Boston. It's playing in the island at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, This is the last year they're playing playoff games at, at the Nassau Coliseum, which is where the Islanders won all their cups in the 80s. Um, that place gets crazy loud. I've been there before. It's like the most old school arena um, I've ever been in. It, it's 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 an awesome experience. It's a shame that it's probably going to get knocked down. I mean, they're moving to a beautiful arena, but um, just that history, I, I hate to see it go. But Boston, they lost game five. So the Islanders have a 3-2 series lead. They're looking to close out the series. 
I think this might be another game we disagree on, but I like Boston tonight to go into the island and tie the series back up, force a game seven back in Boston. Um, I just think Boston, this team's built for playoff success. They've shown it in the past decade since they won the cup in 2011. Um, I think their their window is closing for a cup, so they know that it's important to keep this iteration of the team going. They thoroughly outplayed the Islanders in game five, even though the score tells a different story. Islanders had five goals. I want to say like 18 or 19 shots. They got two Karask pulled. The coach after the game said he wasn't 100% going into the game. So obviously that makes a difference. I just saw a tweet that said he's good to go for game six. Obviously having a, a healthy starting goalie is extremely important. Um, so yeah, I think Boston, you know, they're, they're a feisty team. The Islanders are definitely going to give them a run for their money tonight with that loud crowd. But I like Boston to tie it up and send it back for game seven. Nice. So I'll back you on that, even though I personally like the um, Islanders. The Islanders are 24-9 and nine at home this year. Um, Got to give credit to their great home crowd. But, yeah, I'd love to see a Game 7 in this series, which has been a great series up until this point. So, um, yeah, I'll back you on Boston, even though I personally like the Islanders at home as an underdog. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's just a feeling. I, I think Boston are upset that they didn't come away with Game 5 with a victory, being how they outplayed them. Um bring that same effort but like you said this series has been unbelievable i feel like the only series that hasn't been really entertaining was the canadian one where i just mentioned that um montreal swept winnipeg and i think it's both this the style of play that the two teams play but also that there's no fans in canada and i think that makes you can really see how big of a difference that makes um just to recap the other series last night the lightning uh beat carolina two nothing andre vasilevsky had his second shutout in an elimination game because he shut out the Panthers in Game Six, so they beat Carolina. They take they win the series four to one, so they're one of the final four teams. Like I said, Montreal swept Winnipeg, so they're one of the final four teams. And then last night, Vegas and Colorado went to overtime. Which shout out to Whelan and Dylan. If you follow us, you uh, got that pick. They won in overtime, like a minute in. Mark Stone, their captain, just roofed it top corner. It was a it was a pretty nasty goal. So Vegas is up 3-2, and they're going back to Vegas with the series lead. That's a very entertaining series that I definitely can see going seven, but I know I kind of just ignored this logic. But going back to Vegas, I mean, that place is an absolute madhouse, and it's going to be hard for the Avs. I mean, the home – no, I guess not. The first four games, the home team won every game, but Vegas just finally won their first road game in the series. And I think, home court. Yeah, I think that might be the uh, – be the difference it'll be interesting but i think that game's tomorrow night i probably like vegas to to win the series there so your final four wait we got it we got to mention the only reason vegas is (laughs) in this series is your former panthers uh jonathan marcheseau and riley smith yeah a bit of uh Bit of torture for me to watch those guys, for those watching and not aware. Uh, both of them used to be Panthers. Both of them used to play on the same line on the Panthers. Uh, when Vegas became a team in the expansion draft, we basically gave them Jonathan Marcheseau so that they would take Riley Smith. And they said, sure, we'll take those two players and put them on our top line and go to the cup final with them. Uh, and Marcheseau had a hat trick two games ago. He had a goal last night as well. Um, I think he had two. Yeah, he's just, he's just a little feisty, feisty – He's small. He's like 5'10 or 5'9. He reminds me of Marshand a little bit without the toughness, um, where he just seems to be in the right place at the right time. He has an unbelievable release on his shot. You could throw him on the power play. You could throw him on the penalty kill. He's, he's just a little energizer bunny for that team. And I think he leads or is tied with Nathan McKinnon for the most goals in the playoffs, which is impressive. Um, like five in the last two games or something? <laughs> something sickening. Um, so, yeah, the way – the way the bracket looks is the Lightning are going to play the winner of Boston, the Islanders, and then Montreal is going to play the winner of Vegas and Colorado. So unless Montreal makes the Stanley Cup final, you'll have an East-West final, uh, Cup final, which I think is pretty um, satisfying to to all hockey fans. You wouldn't want two East teams or two West teams. But, right. I mean, it's coming down the stretch. We're at the Final Four. This is when hockey really, really gets intense and exciting, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that, that Final Four. Yeah, it sure will. We look forward to it. It's a shame that probably it's going to be like the Lightning or Vegas who win it. Yeah, I mean, listen, the light, the Lightning. I, 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 I've had my two weeks, three weeks of of kind of debriefing and and taking taking the edge off. And I watched the Lightning when they played Carolina. They're such an unbelievable team. I mean, they are 
They are so technically sound on both offense and defense. They have any guy on that lineup minus Pat Maroon can probably score on any night. I mean, Pat Maroon scored against the Panthers, so I don't know why I'm saying that, but they, they just seem to have crazy amounts of talent. Victor Hedman's unbelievable at defense. Guys are just blocking shots left and right. And then they have the best goalie in the league. Yeah. Um, he had two shutouts in the series against Carolina, which gives him three on the playoffs. Um, and then after the game last night, Carolina coach uh, Rod Brendamore, who used to be on the Carolina Hurricanes, said that he reminded him of Dominic Hasek, who many people believe is the best goalie in NHL history, just based on stats and performance. He didn't win that many. I don't even know if he won a Stanley Cup because he played with Buffalo most of his career. Um, I think he did with Detroit, but he's, I mean, I think he's the best goalie of all time. And to get compared to him, Andre Vasilevsky is only 26 or 27. Yeah, so, he's got a whole career ahead of him. Yeah, it, it's it's really frightening to think that this Tampa team isn't like a Boston where most of the core players are are aging and they're kind of reached the end of their window. It feels like for Tampa Bay, they won a cup and they're like, all right, let's try to win as many more as we can. So they're, they're frightening. I don't. I really don't see anyone stopping them. Um, I mean, Vegas and Colorado each would put up a good fight, but yeah, it's going to be tough to beat them. Yeah. Um, one last hockey thing. The draft lottery just happened June 2nd. And an interesting tidbit about that, uh, well, the draft is actually going to take place July 23rd, a month from now. Um, there's potential for the top three picks to all come from the University of Michigan. I don't know if that's ever happened before. No, I, I can tell you. In hockey, has it ever happened where, like, they've all come from the same school or, like, the same country, like, all the three, or at least, like, three out of five? There's a couple examples I can think of. Um, in 2013, Nathan McKinnon got picked first overall, and Jonathan Druin got picked third overall, and they were both on the same uh, junior team, the Halifax Mooseheads. Mm-hmm. They were mates, and they went one and three. Um, it's kind of rare for a player, honestly, to go from college United, in the United States to go top top 10, top five in the NHL draft because the route most players take is going junior hockey um, in Canada. So th- I think that'd be pretty cool if any of them got picked first overall. Um, so Buffalo won the draft lottery. They'll be picking first overall. And then Seattle, who starts play next season, they get the second overall pick to help start their franchise which I think that'd be so cool to just be the first draft pick ever by a team. I think that's like a uh, something you put on your mantle. I think that's a cool accomplishment for whoever that is. Um, but, yeah, I think that'd be crazy if, if all those Michigan players went in the top five or consecutive, like you said. Oh, the other one I could think of is when Vancouver drafted the Sedin twins, Henrik and Daniel Sedin. They played on the same team in, in junior as well. They went two and three. Yeah, they went two, three in the draft. And and obviously Vancouver had to make a lot of trades to get that other pick. Um, but the fact that they drafted them both as twin brothers and said, you know what? No, you're gonna have your whole careers together on my team, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I guess um They never won a cup. Huh? Yeah, and they won a cup. <laughs> no, they never did. Oh, they didn't? No. Vancouver's never Vancouver's never won the Stanley Cup. I know I, I remember when I was little, I thought Vancouver won. Because they were oh, in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they lost to Boston in Game Seven. That's what it was. That's what it was. Out on home ice, poor Bobby Lou. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's when Vancouver they all rioted and they like burned cars and shit and they freaked out. Now I remember. Granted, I'd probably be there. <laughs> Talking about speaking of burning cars, the NASCAR All Star <laughs> races this weekend. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, do we got some NASCAR picks for you? That was the best transition I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this weekend is the all-star race at NASCAR, which is a pretty cool event. Um, it's at the Texas Motor Speedway, which we're finally back to a speedway instead of those road courses, which I watched that whole race, man. I don't know how people find that exciting. It, it was quite boring, in my personal opinion. Um, but the all-star race is cool because the winner gets a million dollars right as soon as they pass the uh, finish line. So we each got a couple – well, we each have one driver we think is going to win. They both come from the same racing team. I like Kyle Busch. Um, stats say he has the second-best average finish at this racetrack of any active driver. He won the race last year, and he's won two of the last six races at Texas Motor Speedway. So, yeah, give me Kyle Busch. All right. Nice, nice, nice. I'm actually riding with our old boy, Denny Hamlin. He's great on the speed, super speedways. He's won twice here before, 
And I think he wants to make a statement race and get that, not only get that million dollars, say, I know Kyle Larson's been top, top two in the last three wet races at least. I'm still Denny Hamlin. Don't forget about me. I'm Mr. All-Star. And then he's going to do, maybe even pull a Chase Elliott, win the All-Star game, win the All-Star race, and then pull together and win the cup championship. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm backing off Denny Hamlin this week. Maybe me picking him every week is the reason why he's not winning. So <laughs> I'll let you pick him this week. Um, and yeah, I, I think I mentioned that a couple episodes ago that Denny Hamlin's strategy, his team strategy might be like, listen, we might not be winning races, but we're getting stage points. We're getting playoff points. He's he's at the top of all the non-winning drivers in terms of points. So he's going to make the playoffs. Um, and yeah, like Chase Elliott last year, I think only won one regular season race and then went on to win the championship. Um, it's a little weird how it works in NASCAR where you don't necessarily have to win a race literally the entire year and you can win the championship. I think that's a little... I think you need one to make the playoffs. So it's all the it's all the drivers that have won a race and then if there's... And then any, a certain amount of points. Right, and then there's like wild card spots where... Because unless someone different wins every race, there's always going to be room for people. Um, right, I remember that kind even, of last year. Even when the playoffs start, it's just once he gets down to the final four, it's whoever finishes best. So if three guys yeah. crash and one guy gets 21st, he wins. Um, it's it's very interesting. But like I said, same racing team. I think they'll have the same setup and, and package for this race. Um, I know that that Hamlin and Bush are, are drivers that tend to do better at super speedways like Daytona, like Texas, um, even Talladega. So, yeah, I like both of our picks, and, and hopefully one of them pulls through. Yeah. And I got I got to I got to say one thing. The Hendrick Motorsport team has just been so dominant lately. They've been, they've had like two out of the last top. They've had two to three in the top 5 for for the last four to five races at least. Yeah. It, it it really is crazy. I mentioned last episode that they just passed Richard Petty's racing team for most victories all time. Um that's where guys like Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon who with two of the most um two of the winningest race car drivers in, in NASCAR history, they were part of Hendrick Motorsport. Um, but just to see young guys step in, like Alex Bowman taking over for Jimmy Johnson, um, William Byron still super young. I think he's our age. Um, and then you have Chase Elliott and, and Kyle Larson who returned and, and is definitely making uh, his stamp on the sport again, kind of showing his dominance. So, yeah, it is crazy. And and like I mentioned, those those teams, while they are all racing against each other, they do have like a similar setup and – they're all kind of sharing information with each other. So when one guy does really well, it usually means the whole team's doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we did we didn't get the we didn't get the right NASCAR pick last week, which um stopped our streak at two. Hmm. But um, we're looking to get back streaking. I ain't worried. I think one of our guys is gonna gonna be there at the end. Oh, Denny is so due. He really is, man. He really he really is. Um, got our coin flip. We got our bums. Um, any questions from the fans? Yeah. Anybody got any questions before, uh, before we, we on? Oh, I, <laughs> I see here. We got this question about the Texas track. So, um, there's going to be 25, tur- 24 turns, five back stretches, a couple ovals, uh, three stages on this 50 lap race. Um, it's got it's great, great muff, great a one muff. Give it like a like an eight out of ten. Eight muff <laughs> out of ten muffs for the Texas <laughs> track in Fort Worth. Oh man! Oh wait, I almost forgot. We got the polls we've got on our Twitter. I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna review the polls that we've been putting out the last couple days. I like that. Oh, so we've recently. If you don't follow our Twitter, get on that. We've been putting up some fire polls. The most recent, so the last one was um, who would win in a game of horse? And this is between Ben Simmons and Elaine Deladon. And Elaine Deladon won this 82% to 18% with 11 votes. And then we had the day before, we had who would win in a steel cage death match? And this is between four people. Francis Ngannou, LeBron James, Aaron Donald, and an actual grizzly bear. So this was a very interesting poll. You had um, split 25 and 25% on Francis Ngannou and Aaron Donald. 46% to the grizzly bear, noted. 
<laughs> and um, 4% for LeBron, but I think somebody got in like last second right before because I was looking at this and it was zero the entire day. <laughs> I was going to say, when I picked I picked a grizzly bear, I'll admit it. Um, but yeah, I saw the same thing and I, I giggled. <laughs> yeah. I actually picked Aaron Donald because I feel like someone who trains with knives could avoid someone coming at him with. Honestly, very possible. Aaron Donald is a grizzly bear. Yeah. And then, of course, you got Francis and Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just there. Oh, and then we got Max Brown here asking us, so what do we think about a woman head coach in sports? I think it's um, if the players are fine with it, I'm fine with it. Because at the end of the day, the only person who needs to like the coach is the players. Because um, it doesn't matter what the media thinks as long as a team could rally around them. Like, look at Tom Thibodeau. Nobody thought – him or the Knicks would be good. The team bought into what he was selling. They made it to be a five seed, and then <laughs> he was coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think there's almost more of a blowback from the fans and the media than there is from the team itself. And like you said, the only people that really matter when it comes to picking a head coach is the team. Um, but I think that it would – and it shouldn't be, but I think that it would be a hard PR sell for that team. Like they would have to really um, go leaps and bounds to make sure that whoever that coach is feels accepted on the team and, and in the community. Because I know, I mean, listen, every sports team kind of has a range of fans on, on what they believe in. Um, and I definitely can see how some fans would, would not be supportive of a move like that. But I think as time goes on and, and more people are, are getting into sports and, and coaching like that, we're bound to see it. Whether it's, um, like you said, basketball. Um, I know there's like female referees now and there's female assistant coaches in football as well. Um, so it'll be interesting. Ooh. All right. So here we got Kyle asking a question, a follow-up question. Is there any reason other than he was the coach for the Knicks that Tibbs deserved it more than M Monty Williams? He commented under that. So, um, yeah. So I think because the beginning of the season, they really didn't start well. Um, I think they were 14 and 24 at one point of the season. And then they just went on a run. If anything, you might want to give some of the credit of Tibbs bringing in his guys like Derrick Rose, who actually got an MVP vote, more MVP votes than LeBron James this year. Fourth, he was the four, only one of four players who got a first place vote. If I check again. So if you could get Derrick Rose back in the conversation of, um, MVP, you could make Julius Randle into what he was. You got just total the huge transformation of the Knicks because that Knicks team would not have been that Knicks team if Thibodeau was there. I think Chris Paul was more of um, an impact on the Suns than Monty Williams was. Um, so yeah, I think all that combined together is why Thibodeau won. And um oh I stand corrected he was one of six player one of six players with a first um first place vote for the MVP and the other four were Jokic Embiid Curry Giannis and Chris Paul All right um so dolphin season prediction So we won 10 games last year I really like the way we're looking. We got it scheduled in the preseason already to have a joint practice with the Falcons. And I think it's playoffs or bust for them. Tua, they're going to give him more trust in the playbook. I think the Dolphins should at least get 11 wins. They should make the playoffs. I think we split it with the Bills, sweep the Patriots. And I think we have a hiccup against the Jets and split with the Jets. I don't want to be that pessimistic Dolphins fan, but I think that the record will be the same as last year, but the team will be much better. I think the Dolphins got not lucky, but I think that they were lucky to escape certain games last year with a win. Um, I think about that Raiders game uh, late in the season that with the face mask on Fitzpatrick and kind of that crazy pass that that gave them that win. Um, I just think that the team will be a better 10 and I guess it's 10 and seven now. Um, you know, with that extra game, I could see 11 wins because then you could still be 11 and six. Um, but I think that, like I said, the record will be similar, but the team will be much better. Um, that's just some classic to a hate from our good, uh, good Giants fan, Max Brown. Yeah. Um, 
on this, I'd like to say um, it's hard to throw it over 15 yards when they don't call plays for the receivers to be more than 15 yards. So I think, um, once they – they just got to open up the playbook for Tua and he'll be fine. Also, like, go look at the video of him throwing the overtime uh, national championship touchdown. Yeah, yeah like look, 40 yards. Also, like, give Tua some some – I feel like he gets more hate than he deserves because people forget that he did not have a training camp or a preseason last year as the starter or as a football player because of COVID. So he was still coming off his hip surgery. He's had an entire season of kind of getting some playing time under his belt. Now he has a full off season to work with his, with his receivers. Um, you know, I've retweeted videos of him working out uh, in Bamford park and, and plantation with Waddle and, and Devonte Parker kind of building that chemistry together. Um, so I think given a full off season and a full training camp, he'll be much, much, more improved. He'll actually know the playbook now. Um, and like I said, I think the Dolphins defense needs to be as dominant as they were last year if they want the same success. But I think the offense will be night and day much better. Yeah. And also the Dol- the Dolphins, um, I feel like all the hate on Tua is just because of how good Fitzpatrick was. And it's more Fitzpatrick love. And I wish we could give Fitzpatrick love without giving hate to Tua. I agree. All right. Do you have one? Do you have a player on the Dolphins who you wouldn't let date your daughter? Hmm. Hmm. Jerome Baker. <laughs> He's lazy. He just from I wouldn't let Jerome Baker do it. I would let Tua, but not Jerome Baker. I feel like he doesn't give his all all the time. And I would love to see him hear this and have a great season with me as Billboard <laughs> material. Now any dolphin can date my daughter. <laughs> Jeremy Tunsil, when he was on the Dolphins, I would not let him date my daughter. All right. And now we're going to end with a quick, quick thought on the College Softball World Series. So, the, you see that FSU won last year yesterday. Yes. Yes, so they won. Um, Oklahoma won. Let me look. Let me look at the bracket real quick to give a little refresher. Well, I'm doing that's out of left field, no pun intended. <laughs> James Madison, uh, my so cousin. James Madison, James Madison was great. I feel bad that their Cinderella story had to end early. Um, okay, so it's Oklahoma versus Florida State. Florida State just beat the great team in Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, and Oklahoma State finally got their revenge on James Madison. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the Florida State Seminoles. You know. I know they it hurt. Earl Cassidy, who hit that walk-off for them against Oklahoma State, I think. It was either Oklahoma State or Alabama. And I'm going to go Florida State, Oklahoma. I feel like they're susceptible to losses, mm. and especially if a team has enough want to, like how proven with James Madison. I like Florida State to win this series 2-1 in a three-game series. Yeah, it's why they play the games. You can talk about statistics and, and history all you want, but that's why they play the games to, to really see the result. And don't really know much about college softball this season. Um, I just feel like as sports came back, it was like every single sport imaginable kind of all came back at once. Um, I will say my sister's girlfriend went to FSU. She's a huge college softball fan. Um, so she's a huge FSU softball fan. She'd kill me if I didn't pick the Seminoles. So I'm kind of with you on that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just think I watched some of that game um, the other day when they won. Um, mm-hmm. College softball is exciting. And, and like I said, bringing fans back to any sport just brings that excitement and that passion um, that that draws everyone into sport to begin with back. And I think it was something that we didn't realize how much of an impact fans had on the game until they were back in full force. Um, like yesterday, I think it was Arkansas hit a walk-off or a grand slam or something of that nature, and the fans absolutely went crazy. And it was just great to see. Yeah, we love to see that type of stuff. Love to see it. Love to see it. And um, in the men's side, they are not yet at the College Baseball World Series, but I'm pretty sure they're heading to Omaha soon. The top mm-hmm. 16 teams were picked. Um, you got Florida and Louisiana Tech and Oregon at the bottom. On the top, you got Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I personally think this is a three-horse race between Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Actually, no, Vanderbilt, Texas, and Ole Miss. Ole Miss in the middle of the pack at the 12th seed. 
I got those three teams as the teams that could realistically win it all. Vanderbilt, Texas, and Ole Miss for the College Baseball World Series. They're, they should be in Omaha by the end of this weekend. Yeah, you know? June 19th it starts. Uh, the Gators lost. They lost to the University of Southern Alabama 19-1. to Yeah, I don't know why it's Florida listed here. Yeah, they're not. They are no longer in that bracket. <laughs> yeah, they got. They were like, up, my bad. The website I'm on must be faulty. No, um, you're good. It's SaturdayDownSouth.com. I thought it was the NCAA one. Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought it. You thought UF lost to South Alabama. South Alabama's been killing it. Yeah, the UF got. UF got shown how to play baseball. Let's just say that they said, "Here, little Gators, let's show you how to play baseball." Nineteen to one. That is. Yeah. You need a, a Band-Aid after that one. Definitely. Well, I stand by my Vanderbilt, Texas, and uh, – Yeah. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's an annual powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vanderbilt, I think they kick off versus – who do they play first? I'm just looking at the schedule now. They play East Carolina mm. at noon this Friday. That's one of my favorite college football teams to bet on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, home – Yes, the ECU Pirates, baby. With all that being said, thanks once again for a great episode of Wheeling and Dealing. Make sure to follow our our Twitter for all of our picks from this show, uh, picks throughout the week, other polls that you might find funny. Shoot us questions, shoot us anything you want, we will answer. All right, keep it coming. Have a great one. Stay classy. Stay classy. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.